This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. WVEZ is supported by Chicago Humanities, presenting live events with historians Doris Kearns Goodwin and John Meacham, comedian Reggie Watts and filmmaker Miranda July, and artists Hebrew Brantley and Amanda Williams in conversation, plus MSNBC chief correspondent Ali Velshi on small yet powerful acts of courage throughout history. Tickets for these events and more conversations on arts, culture, and current affairs at chicagohumanities.org. Could Denver, Colorado hold the answer for safer housing in Chicago? I'm Michael Puente, in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Dozens of people have died in fires in Chicago in recent years. In many of those cases, there were no working smoke detectors, and the city already knew about the issues but hadn't addressed them. Meanwhile, in two Colorado cities, there's a system of regular checks to ensure apartments are safe. In Denver, a worker stops by every rental unit every year to check on smoke and carbon monoxide alarms, gas lines, water pressure, power outlets, and more. In Chicago, that only happens when a unit is built or when there's a complaint. In a few minutes, we'll hear from John Bartlett, executive director of the Metropolitan Tenants Organization, on what Chicago renter safety checks look like. First, we turn to Alex Nitkin. He's a reporter with the Illinois Answers Project for the Better Government Association, and he's been reporting on what Chicago can learn from Colorado. He starts by telling us more about how Chicago's building inspection system works or doesn't work today. Well, the bottom line is that it's a very reactive system. Like you said earlier, the only way that an inspector will really come to look at an apartment unit is if someone is applying for a license to do some kind of work, trying to get a permit, or if someone files a complaint through 301. And we've found through a lot of reporting and through some work by the city's inspector general that very often, and I think that organizers with the Metropolitan Tenants Organization have found this too, when you send a complaint to 311, you really never know what's going to happen. It can be weeks or even months until an inspector actually comes. And even then, the the outcome can be pretty unpredictable. A lot is really left up to the discretion of the inspector. Um, And, you know, I I hasten to say this is really to no fault of the individual inspectors of the frontline workers who are, there are so few of them who together have been tasked with responding to, I think it was 57,000 total buildings complaints were lodged through through on one last year. You have a very finite number of these inspectors who have to just accept this deluge of complaints and respond to as many as they can and play whack-a-mole. And what we're seeing with more and more cities is to try and modernize and professionalize their buildings regulation systems through regular proactive inspections. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty much everywhere where that's been deployed from, you know, Minneapolis, Boston, L.A., and now Denver, where I want to correct you on one thing, it's every four years the inspector oh. comes um, as opposed to every year. But still, studies have really held up that When you start to get a system of regular proactive checks, the number of complaints actually goes down, and it's a long and difficult and expensive process to build up that kind of infrastructure. But when it happens, there are real, durable, widely experienced 
um, quality of life and public health benefits. Well, how often does the city of Chicago require a building to be inspected? Is it just never or what? <laughs> well, I mean, it's a good question because prior to, I think it was 2017, there was a requirement that every, um, you know, apartment building of three units or more it has to be inspected at least every three years. Um, as part of the, the mandate of, you know, under the Emanuel administration, as they sort of owing to their approach, and especially under Judy Friedland, the, the Buildings Commissioner at the time, really had a, a mandate of kind of um, streamline, simplify, cut, deregulate. Um, if there's any program or requirement that wasn't really working, get rid of it. They sort of, I think, took that philosophy to there was a requirement that they every apartment building of a certain size had to be inspected every three years. That just wasn't happening. And so they were like, look, this is not realistic. We just cut. Uh, they just cut that requirement. So now it's not required anymore in its place. Um, we have something called life safety evaluations that are done annually for, I think it's high rises of 100 feet or more. And that is an annual inspection that looks specifically at fire safety mitigation, things like sprinkler systems and exits, mm -hmm. which is, is not nothing. Um, but the, those are sort of very basic. They're very focused. They're limited to those taller buildings and also... You know, even when we go through buildings records to, to see what the results of those inspections were, it's very hard to find any sort of impacts just because of the way that the Department of Buildings records uh, its data is very kind of disorganized and antiquated. Now, and, that, and the way Chicago does the way it uh, inspects building or lack thereof, that's led to some pretty devastating consequences, right? I mean, you reported on fires in some Chicago buildings that the city knew there were safety issues. So what happened? Yeah, this is something that stretches back to, you know, before I came to the Better Government Association um, and before uh, the Illinois Answers Project, folks might remember this this really long-running, powerful series um, that the BGA did together with the Tribune called The Failures Before the Fires. That series ended up winning a Pulitzer Prize um, last year. And basically, um, reporters Madison Hopkins and, and, um, and Cecilia Reyes of the Trib went back through years and years of records and found, I think it was 64 or 63 examples of fatal fires where the Department of Buildings or the city somehow had been made aware of really serious safety issues in the buildings, either a blocked exit or in most cases lacking smoke detectors, some kind of unsafe condition. And the buildings department, the law department, the city government, when ultimately it's responsibility, you'd expect them to step in and make sure everyone's living in a safe place, they just didn't hold up their end. They, they didn't act. And so we have now for years, and, you know, I wrote a piece following up on this earlier this year, basically saying that, you know, nothing's changed. This, this problem still persists. And over the course of the past couple of years, we've really been trying to make folks aware that this is a serious problem and that Chicago is really behind a lot of other cities in the way that it tries to prevent these kinds of tragedies. Um, and now we're starting to turn our attention to, okay, what can actually be done about it? What are other cities doing about mm -hmm. it? And where could mm -hmm. Chicago start if it wanted to head down this long path of trying to really um, improve and modernize its building regulation and safety system. Well, let's head now to John. John Bartlett is the executive director of the Metropolitan Tenants Organization. John, what do you think about the system Chicago has in place and how's it compared to, say, what's being done in Denver? Well, I would say Chicago is just not working. For, for one, we find that tenants are really afraid to even call 311 in the first place. Whether 311 actually gets out to do the inspection, we find that they're not that a lot of tenants don't inspect because they're afraid that the landlord is going to get mad, they're going to retaliate. 
because as soon as you do put that call 311, you have that big X put right on your back. The landlord knows who calls. So, you know, to me, that's the first problem. And, you know, I think it does, it creates a lot of attention then between the landlord and the tenant. So certainly we would love to see a more proactive inspection program. And in fact, we've been kind of saying that for years now mm-hmm. that it would, it's going to help both upgrade the conditions and it'll also probably help improve the landlord and tenant relationship because everybody knows what's going on better then. Well, John, when you have apartments that are not being checked for things like mold, leaky pipes and other safety issues on a regular basis, what kind of situations can renters find themselves in? Well, I find first is that, you know, a lot of these situations cause illness. Like Chicago is still has the most kids poisoned by lead than any other city in in the uh, U.S. And this is something that could be prevented. We know what the problem is. And in an inspection program could find the lead and make it get covered up and help cover it up. But mold also causes asthma. We have lots of kids going to the hospitals because they're getting, uh, they have asthma attacks that are triggered by either mold or even pests. And that's the other thing. I mean, you just did a story recently about rats. And, you know, this is another thing that a lot of tenants are living with. They shouldn't be having to live with rats, but yet, and if we had a proactive inspection program, we'd be able to find the holes, the way the rats are getting in and take care of them. It's, you know, to me, it it just totally makes sense to have a proactive approach. And it'll also then, to me, it starts prioritizing housing and start saying, mm-hmm. we need to have a better house, you know, we need to provide safe and decent housing for everyone and not just, you know, those that can uh, pay the high rent. Just in your time um, with uh, the Metropolitan Tenants Organization, what, what really has been some of the worst apartment conditions you've come across? Well, I think one is no heat in the middle of the winter. Obviously, those are some of the worst. But, uh, I mean, we've had ceilings caving in. You have, uh, I mean, the rats still get to me when, you know, moms are complaining that rats are running over their kids at night and they're just terrified to, like, leave them alone, that, you know, no sinks, toilets that are closed. I mean, we run the gamut. And, in fact, we have a tenants' rights hotline, and – uh, over about half the calls that we get are all about conditions issues. That means, and they're because the landlord has not taken care of the problem when the tenants told them about it, and they sometimes mention it, and then they just don't know what to do. Boulder is a much, much smaller city than Chicago, and their system has been in place for, for decades. Denver recently adopted the Boulder model, model, but it hasn't been smooth sailing. What kinds of challenges has Denver faced in its effort to overhaul its inspection system. Right. It's important, I think, to go in with the context of it had been years and years in Denver in the making before they even passed an ordinance in 2021. I think that um, the sponsor of the the ordinance, what's called the Residential uh, Rental Licensing Program Ordinance in Denver, the way that it came about, it came down to this sponsor in the Denver City Council, a uh, councilwoman named Stacey Gilmore, who really started banging the drum for this in 2017. And it was a long, long sort of policy and political process. They were um, engaging a whole bunch of different advocacy groups. Obviously, the landlord groups were, were in there and, and, and sort of putting up resistance. They were going from city department and city to city department, and each department was saying, no, we can't do this. We can't run a program like this. It's too much. Um, and eventually, what they landed on was a model similar to what had been 
um, developed in the nearby, you know, college town suburb of Boulder, Colorado, about 110,000 population now, um, which really since the 1970s, first just starting by light, uh, registering, having a, a city-owned registry of what apartment buildings, uh, uh, who owns which building, and then um, eventually moving to a system of regular proactive checks that sort of developed into real enforcement um, when, you know, landlords were not keeping them in safe condition. Sure. And the innovation, the, the, the thing that the way that Denver got around this problem of how do we hire all of these inspectors to do all of this work is that they uh, started, they basically, they outsourced it to a third party. They told contractors, real estate professionals, what you can do is you can get certified uh, through the state to be an inspector. You, as the inspector, charge the property manager to conduct the inspections, and then the third party inspector signs an affidavit to the city saying, all right, this house is good, it's safe, it passed a very basic, you know, 20-item checklist of it has smoke detectors, it has adequate hot water, et cetera. Sure. Um, the p benefit to that, the positive is that it's a lot less expensive and quicker and easier to stand up a rigorous inspection system. The negative is that there's just a lot less oversight that the city has over that kind of thing. You know, I asked the Denver department that's overseeing this, okay, how many smoke detectors were installed as a result of these inspections? How many, how much repair work was done? And they said, well, we don't know because the inspectors just sort of, it's on a pass-fail basis. They say right. this building is safe or it's not safe, and if it's not, then they have mm -hmm. to keep trying. Well, John, do you think maybe Chicago is just maybe too big to have the sort of similar program in place as, say, Denver or Boulder? Well, I, I would say first off is Los Angeles has also had this type of a system for since the 1998 or something like that, and it's larger than Chicago. So, so if I, LA can do it, if Chicago LA can we do should it, be right? able to do it. I certainly there are differences in the building stock; it's a little older, but still, if LA could do it, you're right that Chicago should be able to do it. And you know, I, I think that what you know certainly what we've been proposing is well, let's start out with a pilot and what, four wards to figure out and gradually build up to it. So we're doing it citywide, so you don't have to like take one huge step that, you know, it's kind of little baby steps at a time and just gradually move up there, build up the infrastructure and figure out the best way to make this work. Now, John, your organization is also pushing for something called the Healthy Homes Ordinance. Uh, it shares some DNA with the programs we've been discussing. So what would it do? What it would do is every five years that a, the, a building would be inspected, it would require all landlords to register. And that in, in and of itself would help just to figure out where all the landlords are and where all the rental properties are, which Chicago really has no idea at this point. So after all the buildings are registered, then they would be inspected on a regular basis that tenants and landlords would both receive notice that this is going to happen. So that and what um, would happen oftentimes is that landlords will actually go in before the inspectors get out there and fix the things because they don't want to have code violations against them because then that may cost them money. They're going to have to go back out. So why not get to it at first? And this, and the other thing it would do is for really bad landlords, it would say that they wouldn't get inspected once every five years. They would go down to once every one or two years. So that this would really enable the city of Chicago to target the bad landlords and really get rid of the, these slumlords and that. And in fact, that's what's happened in Los Angeles, that they've 
actually had a huge decrease in the number of actual slumlords that wow. exist. Well, we only have a little bit more than a minute. Alex, what else could Chicago take away from Denver's approach to safer housing for tenants? Well, I think that one thing to take away is that it's a very, very long and difficult process that folks should be prepared to have this conversation for, for months or years and that there is no kind of silver bullet that, you know, if even a really successful program, we may, may not know that it's working for uh, several years. Um, the question is, is that a reason not to start? Is that a reason not to do it? And with the time, I want to very quickly plug, we are doing an event next Thursday with Ari Vanek, who's an organizer at the Metropolitan Tennis Organization. It's going to be just a virtual panel discussion. Um, you can get the link in our stories. Um, so we encourage folks to, you know, join the conversation. If you have any other questions, engage with us and, and come to that event. John, we'll give you the last word. We got about 30 seconds. Looking out five to 10 years, what kind of positive impacts do you think changing our city's inspection system could have for tenants? Well, I think one is that it'll make them less stressed. It'll be create better relationships between the landlords and tenants, and I think it will in the long run make them healthier. We won't have kids being lead poisoned anymore, and it should reduce the number of children being hospitalized with asthma. Well, we'll have to leave it there. Alex Nitkin is a reporter with the Illinois Answers Project for the Better Government Association. And John Bartlett is the executive director of the Metropolitan Tenants Organization. Thanks for joining us here today on Reset. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. That episode of Reset Podcast was produced by Brenda Ruiz, who also edited the episode with Dan Tucker. Stay on top of all the conversations that impact your day-to-day by subscribing to the Reset Podcast wherever you listen. Also, check out our Reset newsletter. Just go to wbez.org slash Reset News to sign up. That's it for Reset. I'm Michael Puente in for Sasha Ann Simon. We'll talk to you this afternoon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.